I guess I have this aspiration too to connect with more friends and colleagues who are doing similar things so that we can kind of keep the the meta network open or start to I, I identify the larger kind of sangha that we're all kind of existing in the meta sangha yeah um because it seems like there's a lot there's a lot of potential for intra or inter sangha sharing and learning you know and i don't know how that works exactly but i know i know it's very easy to get like i mean myopic and and absorbed in what i'm doing you know and the, what we're up to and and not realize oh yeah like y'all uh -huh. are doing something similar and there's probably a lot we could learn uh -huh. you know from from what you're doing um yeah certainly um really interested in this um emerging response to the failure modes of mm. um, of different Buddhisms or different spiritualities, and there seem to be a number of um, different responses. You know, Michael, Michael Taft, um, yes. Hawkeye, your work with Buddhist geeks. Uh, when we were in Boulder, we met up with some you know, people in traditional Vajrayana who were looking at new ways of giving rise to new groups, new forms. So it does seem that there is this common um, response mode emerging at the moment, and then there's a lot of communication that could occur and that already is occurring. Like, you know, Michael, um, uh, a number of our apprentices are also involved with Michael's sangha and vice versa. We have um, different mm -hmm. you know, contacts uh, with different teachers that are occurring. So we don't say that anybody who becomes an apprentice with Evolving Ground is um, exclusively involved and making a commitment only to what happens in Evolving Ground. And I think that's right, common across right. these emerging responses, that there is this felt need to mm -hmm. um, learn from each other and be open to yes. uh, what is happening in the more general cultural mode as well not oh, to be, very, become a, a enclosed yes. self-enclosed right insulated yeah. from from the yeah. outside yeah. and we yeah. have some buddhist I mean, geeks in the community i, I know yeah, i've, I've yeah. chatted with a number of people who uh, yeah. are either active or have been active and and so yeah we, we yes. maybe we already are uh doing some sort of uh uh, uh communication that was was not maybe not informal super, Yes, yes. Yeah. There's a lot of informal <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of informal sharing and we have the same explicit understanding mm -hmm, with folks, mm -hmm. you know, that we work with. It's uh it sort really of say we're, we're polyamorous <laughs> when it comes to teaching. <laughs> um it's like it's okay if you want to, you know, be in love with multiple communities and teachers, that's okay. Um yeah. so that that that's very interesting because that's maybe Traditionally speaking, that can be very uncommon. You know, mm -hmm. I know it depends on the teacher and community, obviously, how open they are, but mm -hmm. that's very, I think that's it arises naturally with the metasystematic mode as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like if you're not in the systematic mode and thinking, okay, I've got the, I've got right. the thing figured out, the ultimate method here, <laughs> then of course right. I'm going to see value. There's value in other things. So right. it makes sense not to restrict all the, the possibilities unless it really makes sense. Yeah. 
Okay, this is cool. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I hope we can stay in contact about um, things we're learning. I mean, uh, the whole open source Dharma project that we've kind of been trying to, you know, I guess drum up interest in is just the idea of sharing artifacts like this one. You you all agreed to share this recording uh, using Mm -hmm. a Creative Commons license Mm -hmm. that's quite open. So that means like people can adapt it, they can remix it, they can even sell it. Uh, in, uh, in this Creative Commons uh, schematic. So it's a free cultural work. I think that's important too. I'd be curious your thoughts on this. But it seems like that's important to create an environment or an, a larger ecology of innovation where you don't have to kind of necessarily go, like for the stuff that we end up creating, that's really good psychotech. Like should people have to come and practice us with us for 10 years before they're able to then bring that and, sh- and share it in another context, which mm-hmm. is common, or mm-hmm. like, is this? Do we have ten years to? to, to right, know? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, if these things are useful yeah. and they could be employed in contexts that actually matter in terms of responding to the, you know, the, the multivariant crises that we're facing. Like, yeah. to me, it's like I have an ethical obligation to share that material or those technologies. I feel. Um, but I know not not everyone's operating in that way. Um, so how do we create an environment where there's more open sharing and less kind of the proprietary dharma, you know, <laughs> the one true <laughs> dharma that's trademarked and only available with a ten thousand yeah. dollar certification yeah. training? I think that one answer to that is understanding method in terms of its function. And, and the way that it works. And then you can't actually be proprietary about that because, you know, infinite innovation is, is possible if you maintain the understanding of the, of the function. Mm. Can, can you say more of, about that? So there's, we, we use these words principle and function quite a lot. And I have to say that, you know, David and I have both received those from Nakchan Rinpoche and Kandodechan Rinpoche. So they are, that's terminology that they use quite a lot. Um, it is metasystematic by definition. It's mm-hmm. coming from this view that um, yana is um, context driven and that, um, that is path is context driven and you can move from one path to another. There is no ultimate fixed one true way so if you if you have Mm -hmm. that view then it's a very natural um, evolution from that to understand that method functions to give rise to a particular result and then if you can Mm -hmm. understand how that works what is the mechanism by which that particular result occurs then the method is no longer fixed to its original or a particular right. form. It becomes right. translatable. It becomes, um, because you understand experientially what that function is, then it yes. becomes possible to understand in a different context what a different form might look like. Correct. Uh, I'm thinking of an analogy, something like, I know, the difference between electricity or um, mechanistic function or the the different ways that um, transformation occurs, once you understand the principle of electricity, then there are a million different forms that can work using that that principle, using that 
um, mode of generating energy or whatever. Mm. So let me um, push back here somewhat. Um, one of the um, features of Tantra is that it is um, highly specific to particular situations and um, purposes. It's not a universal method in the way that a lot of Satriyana is. Mm-hmm. And um, b- because it is... Um, dependent on specific relationships there's a lot of um you know traditionally a lot of things were kept close often that had you know were were for reasons of personal profit on the part of some person maybe but there's also a legitimate function there um of uh um the, the dependence of some specifics on a a particular context, and if that same thing were practiced somewhere else, it actually wouldn't function, right. and could actually backfire or be problematic or um, m- drastically misunderstood and misused, whatever. Yeah, well, like I can be imagine maintaining the form. Wouldn't that be sorry, Vince? But but wouldn't no, no, that please. be main, maintaining the form of the practice rather than understanding it in terms of its particular function in context? Right. I'm just thinking about the the idea that everything needs to be open sourced. I'm not sure that I am on board with that. Um, oh yeah, and I, that, and that, I wouldn't say yes. that either. I, I wouldn't say everything needs to be open sourced, but rather the things that do need to be open sourced should be open sourced. Yes, <laughs> I think we can agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a, a big part of that too. You know, I'm thinking about okay. Well, what have we put out? What are we putting out so far? And there's a really long process that um, I feel like it. At some point, it feels because we've gone through so many iterations and it's yes, been, we've gotten yes. so much feedback um, that this is something that I can publish. Um, and uh, I think the the container there that David's speaking toward too. I think a, a major um, consideration is that if I'm publishing this, I also ex- need to explicitly make sure that this is reaching the correct people, the people that are in a context um, or at the, the base of this, this uh, to, to be able to utilize this method. Um, and I don't think there's any kind of, uh, th- th- I think that implies that each practice, depending on what it is aiming to do and the context in which it functions, uh, is going to lead to the, the, that being uh, disseminated in different ways. Um, but uh but yeah, I, I, I at the same time, you know, I don't think that they're, they're uh, the the trademarking, the 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 uh, overt trademarking and and secrecy for um, uh, competitive reasons and and you know that that are coming from a uh, a, a compassionate place uh, that it can go it can go wrong very easily. <laughs> yeah, and I and I understand a lot of the reason for it yeah. too. And I mean, it's it's understandable from an economic perspective mm-hmm. that a lot of folks want to you know, um, trademark their 
their innovations um, because that's traditionally how you make money. You, see, you know, you, uh, you got the, you know, there's some scarcity um, there. Um, and yeah, I've just seen in so many of the communities I've, I've worked in, like there's a very real difference between like the spirit of open source when someone will sort of intentionally share their stuff uh, versus those that'll kind of like lock down around it. And then it's like, no, you can't mm-hmm. even talk about these influences on your, I, like, I can't really say I'm like, take big mind, for instance, Genpo Roshi's big mind. That's been an influence. Um, but you know, when I share methods, it's voice dialogue that I share because Hal and Sidra Stone made that open. They shared it freely and said, other people can use it and use their you know, talk and talk about it. Um, whereas Genpo said, no, that's trademarked. You know, you use this, yeah. you know, you yeah. get ready to hear from my lawyer. So um, to me, there's a very just real difference in terms of ability to collaborate across communities when, when that, like, there's, there's no real option. There's no real opportunity for collaboration. It's like, unless you've gone deep into the thing and done the lineage training and you come out and even then, people don't have you know authorization to to, to share big mind. <laughs> uh, even Diane Hamilton's got a you know she's like in that lineage, and still it's not hers to do with as she likes. So, to me, that's there's something problematic there. You know, it's like thinking that the, the evolving Dharma that I've developed now, I've got to lock it down, you know, and profit off of it as long as I can. Um, Something just yeah. seems off with that to me in terms of the challenges that we're facing yeah, right now, I, the collabor- which are sort of much coordination challenges. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really on board with that as well. I feel that um, you know there's a big difference between wanting to maintain a container in order to really understand a method and to ensure that it works the way that it's supposed to work and develop it according right. to people's responses and that kind of thing which yeah. is what I feel that we're doing a lot at the moment with the tantric course and that that's very different from yeah okay we've got this method that works now let's sell it yeah algorithmize you know, it have, yeah people have livelihoods to make and it's very difficult to yeah, you know you I can't just that. translate the original um context but at the same time yeah once a method is proven and seems to be working pretty well i i think it you know as much as is possible to be able to get that out there and available seems like a good idea i mean the tech giants have figured out how to do this and still make money so surely to god the dharma people can Advertising, pervasive surveillance. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe there's some different routes we can explore, David. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> or it's just selling really I, good products. That's how Apple does it, right? Yeah, I, I like Apple's model better there. Um, it seems like, um, I mean, I don't know much about Big Mind. I, I, was at a, uh, a Buddhist Geeks session where Diane Hamilton led right. us through it, so I've got yes. some sense of it. Yeah, It seems like with that, I'm a little surprised what you said about it, um, with that and with a lot of things, you know, from a legal point of view, maybe, I don't know if he's literally trademarked the words big mind. Um, I think so. But as long as you don't say the words big mind and you do substantially the same thing, yeah, I don't think anybody can stop you from that. I mean, the method is not 
patentable. Yeah. It, it, the, the words might be copyrightable if you used exactly the same words, but it seems like, um, you know, there's you, you can maintain a trade secret, which is actually kind of what was the traditional mode because they didn't have patents or copyright. Uh, that's very difficult now and and also just inappropriate. So I'm not sure there's a lot of legal obstacles here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In terms of, in ter terms of what? Uh, in terms Sh sharing of sharing things of, of that have already sharing, been created. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you know, if you want to do big mind, you just don't call it big mind. You call it yeah. whatever you like and, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, a t you know, text I, I agree with you, by the way, I yeah. agree with you. There's ways around that, you know, how do you copyright word the exact combinations of words as a method? It's like okay, <laughs> that is tricky, right? Um, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. So, so that said, there's it's it's from a legal there's legal and cultural considerations. I'm I'm talking more about the cultural side too, yeah. Where it's like people are scared to share these things in public because they have heard that they shouldn't, you know, and that's a real yeah. You know, I think barrier. that. I think that is mistaking the method itself for being the thing, like the thing mm -hmm. that's going to give you the thing. Right. The, I agree. Whatever. And I agree. Once you're confident in understanding that actually it's the relationship, it's the relationship with the spiritual friend or the relationship with your peer practitioners or the relationship with your teacher that actually brings that method alive then you're much less concerned about clinging on to the method itself for um, mm -hmm. prosperity or posterity. Mm. And I think that that is a bit, I mean, not completely unique, but it is more unique of Vajrayana because um, I do think some of the, there are methods that do right, have that function that are of more, being. Uh, yeah. Intentionally universal, yeah, yeah. for sure. Or your your relationship is with the yeah. system as opposed yeah. to yeah. yeah with each other, and that I think has been kind of uh, and 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 you know it's a great uh, not saying it's wrong uh, you know that was like the foundation of my entire uh, path so uh, and and it's made things available for people in ways that are great so um, but yeah Vajrana definitely throws a bit of a uh, a gear in the scaling. Uh, uh, mechanism <laughs> it's got to be a little bit mm. more personalized yeah you know this something something uh ken wilbur would also write a lot about was sort of the difference and i know you all are familiar with this but for those that aren't the difference between the you know the inside and the outside perspective on things like the like the individual um like you have your mind you have your body but also on the collective you've got the inside of a collective is like the culture something like a culture and the outside is like, are the systems and institutions um, that, that, that culture that pe the people in that culture participate in or participating in. So I feel like we're talking around all of those things, like in this conversation, like both of those have been included. And that's interesting in itself to me, because there's oftentimes I found in the previous generation of Dharma teachers in the West, like there was a lot more focus on the culture of awakening and not a lot of conversation about the Institute. I mean, there was some, because there was a clear understanding that we're doing things differently than our Asian teachers. Uh, at least in my case, you know, the insight meditation tradition, there's a lot of changes that they made to how they were teaching, but 
if you go into the Dharma center itself, the meditation center and just practice, you're not going to necessarily hear about any of that. It's, it's part of the context, but it's not an active part of the teaching of like, oh, the form or the structure, the organizational systems that these things are embedded in are also part of, part of it. Um, I mean, I think that is starting to change, right, with the conversation about racial justice and social justice becoming more explicit. There, there is that explicit understanding of systems impacting cultures uh, and cultures being influenced by systems. But uh, it seems like that's just coming online uh, in the Dharma scene, like this kind of awareness of, or- of organizational systems and institutional systems and how that's almost as interesting as the techniques and the methods and the teachings in a way. To me, like how, what those things are and how they function, right? Uh, and how they change. I think, in some sense, it's a response to the movement right into individualism and the idea of there being much more of a kind of mindfulness movement or a, a much more uh, individually designed um, relationship with the entire set of teachings so that individuals would maybe meet up occasionally on a retreat or whatever, but not um, be moving into roles and, like you say, institutions or structures whereby they're an aspect of the practice is relating to that system, to that structure, and that is continuity. There's a kind of thread of continuity there in the relationship mm-hmm. building. Yeah. And, and I think we're, in some sense, you could read that as moving back a little bit more towards a traditional approach. Right, right. But it doesn't seem like it's a going backwards either because you're doing things differently. It's incorporating the the functional aspect, the bit that actually worked well and and respecting that for what it is and then bringing that back into, yeah. Would 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 you all say that would you all say this statement is accurate ish that like in your experience a lot of people are seeking really cohesive and strong connections and relationships and community around this stuff but just don't we just don't know how to be with each other in that way without subsuming our our agency into the collective like we just don't know how to kind of do that in a way that works I would say in some sense we're, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you know, in in some sense that you could say that's everything that Evolving Ground is about, or a lot of what Evolving Ground is about. Yeah. Yeah. Because the tantric approach you're describing requires relationship, and I feel the same way about what we're doing. It's, It's animated by relationship. It's not, like, even if we took everything we learned and we turned it into an algorithm, that would not produce the same results that we're actually right. seeing and experiencing in our right. community. Right. Um, so that's, I feel like that's something really essential about that. Like, and business people have been talking about this forever. How do you create culture? You know, you create certain kinds of culture. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Well, the result of tantric practice eventually is highly functional, congruent, responsive relationship, good uh-huh. relationship. Okay. So like mature so. adults. Mm-hmm. 
So is that the and, idea? And like the when, you're, when you're a tantric practitioner, you're a mature adult. <laughs> I think that's a starting point. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good starting point. <laughs> There's a good starting point. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not doing exactly the same as say a therapeutic method or psychological method. The, uh, you know, what you're bringing um, the meditation practice and the different um, methods from tantra are actually having really pretty different result, but it can be described in terms of good, functional, um, spacious relationship. To, to respond to what you said, Vince, I think it it's really clear that a big part of what people coming in want is that sense of community and um, that that's missing. And, you know, I've only come in a couple months ago, but I've been very impressed with the way that the community is functioning well, the kinds of relationships that have developed. I'm stepping in a year in, mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm really impressed with the, the kinds of ways people relate to each other and the discussions that happen. Um, I kind of, it, it, it makes me feel... Uh, slightly um, weary and, and humbled, like I have to be very careful what I say, um, just because the the, the level of of, um, of relational discourse is so high. Um, not that that should put off anybody coming in from the outside. I kind of in a in a, a weird, special, odd position here, so I have to be more careful than otherwise. Um, and also, um, I do have the impression that Charlie and Jared are teaching a lot about not just, well, about two things. One is the specific specifics of Evolving Ground as an institution, that this is how it works and we're, you know, collaboratively changing around how it works. Um, but it's, that it that is part of the teaching is how does this institution work and why and what is mm -hmm. our logic in having it work these ways and how does that support the kind of um uh relationships that are being built and how does that relate to fundamental dharmic principles yes um and also at a, a meta level also teaching about the uh about what it means to relate to any institution. Mm. Um, mm. That's something that Good point. Uh, Charlie's talked a lot about in the Tantra course, that the Tantra is um, always has an institutional context, and part of what you're doing is relating to that in a particular way that is not obvious and not completely familiar or comfortable for anybody in our contemporary society, but it is functional in terms of the underlying principles of the tantric path. And in fact, the lack of familiarity and the slight discomfort is an aspect of the way that it works. I mean, transformation actually has to be like that. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. 
You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.